0: Hi, and welcome or welcome back to How to Activism, the living, breathing, never-ending guide to teenage activism. I'm your host, Lila Eamon-Lucas. Let's dive right in. Okay, so cheers and jeers for the week. My, I'll start with my jeer, actually, so we can do, we can end on a positive note. My jeer uh, is that um, I'm starting to worry about uh, if I'll be able to get my license, my driver's license on my 16th birthday. I'm trying to do everything I can right now um, just to keep moving forward in the process. I've done all of the classes, mostly over zoom, um, but I don't, I'm trying not to think about it, but I'm also kind of thinking about it a lot. Uh, I'm just, I'm really worried that I won't be able to get it, but also like it's not the end of the world and obviously coronavirus is affecting so many people so many worse ways than this. So this is by no magnitude, um. The worst thing that coronavirus is doing but I don't know that's just kind of the negative thing of my week that I'm not feeling so good about the positive thing of my week is uh, my dad posted this thing on next door which I actually kind of despise because I feel like it's just such a disgusting breeding ground of like dog whistling like I really just kind of like scared white people who are are using like racial dog whistles to just say racist things, which is, I mean, a total generalization, I know, um, but that's sort of how I've heard other people talk about their experiences on Nextdoor, multiple people, and it just, I don't know, doesn't seem that great, but anyway, I asked my dad to post this thing on Nextdoor, um, to ask people if they had any, like, National Geographic magazines that they wanted to get rid of, and actually people in my neighborhood pulled through, um, I got 80 magazines, like, eight zero magazines from two people, uh, like, basically about 40 each, and they're so beautiful. Some of them are from the 80s and the 70s, and the photography, I know there was, like, a lot of controversy of National Geographic from the 70s and 80s, but some of the photos are obviously non-controversial and they're so beautiful, especially just the forests um, and nature and water and the ocean are really, really pretty. So I'm having such a fun time pasting those into my journal and writing on top of them and collaging with them and just kind of goofing off and having fun. So that is, that's the highlight of my week. That's been really, really fun. Alright, so the bulk of this episode, I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome. The concept, what it is, what, how it affects people, and how to combat it. So I'll first start by defining it. Uh, it's, it's called imposter syndrome. It's also known as imposter phenomenon, or fraud syndrome, or imposter experience. It's essentially a feeling of unworthiness or that you don't really deserve something, so it usually happens where you'll be presented with some kind of opportunity, maybe it's a job, or some kind of special opportunity to do something, or meet with someone, or anything, and you have this anxiety, or this kind of voice in the back of your head that tells you, like, you don't deserve this, or you aren't receiving this because of hard work, you're receiving this purely based on luck or slash and um you you don't really like at, at any moment all of the people around you could realize that you are extremely unqualified for this or underqualified for this and you're just you're totally you're totally fooling everyone um and at any moment they could they could realize that you don't deserve to be where you are. There are a lot of really good examples in a Times article I was reading about this in preparation for this podcast. So I'm going to share some of those. These are um, really helpful examples of imposter syndrome existing in everyday life. So one of them is that like perfectionists set extremely high expectations for themselves and even if they meet 99% of their goals they're going to feel like failures because any small mistake will make them question their own competence. Um, Like you obviously not all perfectionists suffer from imposter syndrome and not all people who suffer from imposter syndrome are perfectionists but that's one great example. Another one is like quote-unquote experts feel the need to know every piece of information before they start a project and constantly look for new certifications or trainings to improve their skills or they won't apply for a job they don't meet all the criteria in the posting of and they might hesitate to ask a question in class or speak up in a meeting at work because they're afraid of looking stupid if they don't know the answer. A third example is when a quote-unquote natural genius has to struggle or work hard to accomplish something. He or she thinks this means they aren't good enough. They are using they're used to skills coming easily, and when they have to put in effort, their brain tells them it's proof that they're an imposter. Another one uh, are people who feel they have to accomplish tasks all on their own or soloists. They feel like if they ask for help it means they're a failure and finally there's like supermen or superwomen who push themselves to work harder than those around them to prove that they actually deserve to be there they feel they need to succeed in all aspects of life at work as parents or partners um, at, in every in every aspect of their life and they feel extremely stressed when they aren't accomplishing something perfectly so obviously um, there's no single reason why people experience this Um, there's an amazing tweet from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the congresswoman uh, from December of 2019 that has really stuck with me for a while Um, but she was retweeting this guy named Robert Reach I'm pretty sure who uh, was a Who's a current Berkeley professor and the former Secretary of Labor? Um, but he tweeted this thing that just says, just a casual reminder that 60% of all wealth in America is inherited. Quote, pull yourself up by your bootstraps is a sham. So then she retweeted that and said, a lot of people who struggle with imposter syndrome haven't realized yet that what they're actually competing against is intergenerational wealth. Be kind and patient to yourself. Okay, so that was a really great segue to an important point I want to make, which is that imposter syndrome uh, isn't traceable to any one source. Like, you obviously can't say, like, oh, I inherited it from my mother, but um, I it, it's really important. I think there's very obviously more women who suffer from imposter syndrome than men and there's more people of color who suffer from imposter syndrome than white people especially people of color and women and women of color who suffer from it in who who work in fields that are extremely um not diverse so um that can be a reason for it but it's not inherently um men have been diagnosed with imposter syndrome before, and white people have been diagnosed with imposter syndrome, um, but yeah, there's no single reason why uh, it's it's very uh, arbitrary, I think, but that's I just really wanted to point that out because I think that's really important. Alright, so there's a lot of ways to combat this, luckily. Um, A great one to start with is just to recognize imposter feelings when they emerge. Awareness is the first step, so ensuring that you track these thoughts, what they are, and when they emerge is really important. Uh, There's an amazing TED-Ed video on imposter syndrome that I watched, and it gave this example that there was this female scientist who felt like she was completely incompetent and she wasn't making any progress and so she decided to start tracking every time she felt like a failure occur and she'd write down the source of the failure and upon reviewing her notes she realized that the majority of the reasons why things went wrong were equipment failure and not actually her fault at all so recognizing that and um, and taking a step back can completely change the way you are feeling about things. Uh, another great thing to do is to rewrite your mental programs instead of telling yourself that you are going to find out or that you don't deserve success remind yourself that it's normal not to know everything and that you will find out more as you progress. Another great thing is to talk about your feelings. This can be with someone that you trust or a mentor is a really great idea. I was reading this article from Entrepreneur who talked about these prominent celebrities who all experience imposter syndrome. Uh, I'll name a few. Emma Watson has talked about it. Tom Hanks has talked about it. Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor, actress Natalie Portman, Lady Gaga, who else, Amaya Angelou, Tina Fey, Howard Schultz, who created Starbucks, Serena Williams, the tennis player, I mean, David Bowie, and Cheryl Sandberg. I mean, there's been so many prominent celebrities that, outside observer, outside observers might think, like, obviously they deserve all the success they have, um, but talking about these feelings, especially with a mentor, they might let you know that they've probably felt these feelings too, and it's totally normal, but, uh, you should push past them, because, um, it'd be bad to let imposter syndrome define how you contribute to the world. So another great thing is to consider the context. This relates back to the AOC quote I said, um, but I'll read this thing here too. Uh, It says most people will have experienced moments experienced moments or occasions where they don't feel 100% confident. There may be times when you feel out of your depth or and self-doubt can be a normal reaction. If you catch yourself thinking that you are useless, reframe it as, the fact that I feel useless right now does not mean that I really am. Um, another great thing in Consider the Context is the AOC quote, which is, um, sometimes there's invisible barriers, like that 60% of all wealth in America is inherited. Um, And if you don't come from a wealthy background, it can seem as though, like, why is everyone succeeding but me when there are so many invisible factors at play uh, that you might not have even thought to consider? Um, Another thing to do is to reframe failure as a learning opportunity. Uh, You can try to write down all the times that you feel like you did things wrong, um, and, and then try to draw an arrow and say, like, how can I do this better? It sounds very dorky, um, but I really like to do this actually when I'm journaling too, like I'll, when I start to feel really overwhelmed or upset, I'll make a list of all the reasons why I feel, um, out of control, and then I'll draw an arrow to the other side of the page, And on that side of the page, I have to write an action step that I take. So maybe it's like, I feel frustrated with the relationship I have with a friend. And then I could write like, reach out to them and be honest about how you're feeling. Or I could say like, I feel really frustrated because I just failed this math test. And then you could say like, next time I want to study more, or I want to study using, like, a different website, or I want to reach out to my teacher and ask them for more worksheets that I can do, like, beforehand to prepare or something, I don't know, but, um, reframing failure as a learning opportunity, as dorky as it sounds, can really help you. Um, also, uh, seeking support, um, recognizing that asking for help can only help you, (laughs) um, And it's okay to ask for help um, if you feel like you are not reaching expectations that you have for yourself in things. Uh, Another great thing, it sounds funny to say out loud, but uh, visualize your success. If you imagine that you are able to do something or you tell yourself, I will be able to do something, you are more likely to be able to rise fully to what's expected of you. And finally, just be kind to yourself. Remember that you are entitled to make small mistakes occasionally and forgive yourself. Don't forget to reward yourself for getting the big things right. Okay, so my mantra of the week is, it's not quite a mantra. It's more of just a quote that uh, I really love, but um, it goes like this. It goes, we're stuck inside a giant floating orb in the middle of nowhere. It's okay to feel a little lost sometimes. That is so well put. I think I've definitely felt this pressure just in the past few months to, um, be a fully formed person, like, in my, um, like, opinions and beliefs and the things I like and the people that I like and the way I like to do things, and honestly, most of the pressure was applied just by myself, like, but, um, I still felt it, so, I think this quote is a really good reminder that um, the world is is wacky and large and random and and it's okay to not have everything figured out. You shouldn't have everything figured out because the whole concept, like the definition of life is something with the capability to continue evolving and that's... That's how every human should be, is is constantly changing. So um, it's okay to feel a little lost sometimes because in a greater sense, everyone is lost on this earth, in this galaxy, because I don't know, once you zoom out far enough, I know very little about space, but once you zoom out far enough, like, where even are we really? <laughs> I know that's kind of a dark thought, but I hope it's also a positive thought. Thank you so much for listening to the end of the show. I really appreciate it. Please follow the show, the podcast, on Instagram and Twitter. They're linked down below. My social media. If there's a guest on the episode, their social media is linked down below. Projects they're working on, projects I'm into, stuff I'm thinking about. Um, If this show moved you, made you think differently, you can share it with a friend. Share it on social media. Send it in a text. Talk about it to a friend in person when we can finally see those, um, and yes, thanks again so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week.